0: Booyah! We are live, ladies and gentlemen. So you thought it was gone. Perhaps you even relegated it to a back recesses of your brain. Maybe you even dismissed it as a distant memory of a simpler time in American history. Well, folks, it is back. Like Jason, Freddy Krueger, and Michael Myers before it, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's Green New Deal has clawed its way back out of the grave and is once again threatening everyone and everything you hold dear. What is the significance of this move? Will the Green New Deal have stronger legs this time around? Is this just one last gasp attempt at driving this agenda down the throats of Americans? We're going to be talking about all this and more on episode 401 of the In the Tank podcast. Booyah. Booyah. All right, everybody. Welcome to the End of the Think Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me today, I've got Chris Talgo, Editorial Director here at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Good. I'm a little rusty, you know, being off last week, but I'm
1: looking forward to getting back in the swing of things, Donnie.
0: That is right. That is right. Uh, Chris took a back seat because Isaac Orr was on last week. And guess what, everyone? That's right. He's on again. Policy fellow at the center of the American experiment, Isaac Orr. What's going on, good sir?
2: Hey, everybody. I told you I'd be back. (laughs) I told you I'd be back,
0: and here I am. That's right. Uh, Not joining us today is Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. He has got uh, family in town, so he is uh, playing host instead of paying co-host on uh, this podcast. And also joining us, we have Justin Haskins. Uh, he is the director of the Socialism Research Center here at the Heartland Institute. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? Oh, Good,
2: is that the Patriots are going to be great this year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Great. Is there something wrong with? It? Is that just the allergies again, Justin? You sound a little off. It's the wildfire smoke.
2: Okay. The wildfire smoke is making
0: me really sick. <laughs> oh, oh, is that right? Is that why we can't see you on the camera for all the the video listeners? Exactly. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So hopefully, Justin will be joining us shortly. I have got Mac no words. The him. truth <laughs> for those audio only listeners that are very confused right now. Uh, that are probably catching the show on a Friday. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time, where we are live streaming on Facebook and YouTube and rumble and Twitter. And you can join the conversation, send us your comments and questions by in the live chat. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. And also we do have that super chat functionality in case you want to guarantee that your comment or question will be right on the show. And it's a great way to support the show. And also, if you are one of those audio-only listeners, leaving us a review on iTunes would be greatly appreciated. And for those that are watching, hitting that subscribe button, uh, sharing this content, just leaving a comment underneath the video, liking it, all of these things won't cost you a penny, only it'll cost you a couple of seconds, but it helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent this show from being shown to more people. So like I said, Isaac is back. Last week, Isaac offered out a challenge to the audience, telling them that they needed to double their efforts in order to get him back on the show this week. Well, we did get a couple emails. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't go exactly the way Isaac had hoped. Uh, so I want to read this email because I, I love our audience and, and uh, you know, I want to showcase them on the show as much as possible. So I'll keep the um, the viewer anonymous. I won't read their name or anything, but I wanted to read the email. So it says, I'm a regular viewer of In the Tank podcast and never miss a show. I just wanted to weigh in on the question of whether to have Isaac or on the show more regularly or not. My view is that Isaac is an excellent special guest when covering energy politics and farming, too. But Chris Talgo is central to the show's core. He's what I would call the heart of the show. Everyone has their speciality, and each of you is perfect and irreplaceable in your role. So please do not cut Chris. He would be sorely missed if uh, you brought Isaac back on a weekly basis. That's my two cents. Thanks for listening. So Chris Talgo, heart of the
1: show. I mean, you, you've got to be flattered by that one. It's very flattering. Uh, I don't know if I totally agree with that. But more power to her, Donnie. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, Isaac Orr went through uh, a,
0: a a very extensive uh, internet sleuthing to find I out to if know. this was if I this was a know. real person, yeah, or, exactly, or if it was just Jim Lakely trying to keep Isaac off the show. <laughs> but you you got to the bottom of it. It's a real person.
2: It's a cat. <laughs> Like, when you Google the name of this person, you come up with a cat that works at some sort of, like, medical clinic in Maine, and it's
1: just a picture of a cat. That's one smart cat. That That, is one smart smart cat. cat. That cat has a great vocabulary.
0: (laughs) Uh, I just got an update from Justin. He's having tech issues, uh, so he should be logging on soon. So we'll see what happens there. But Wait, he's already on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, he's just got a sore throat. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, it's a little bit of a shame that we're waiting on Mr. Mr. Haskins, because the main topic of the show is based primarily along a uh, uh, around an article that he had just authored this week that was published on Fox News, and it was titled The Green New Deal is Back and it's More Radical Than Ever. So uh, I'm going to go through and just kind of set up the article or we could just skip to like the mining part and then
2: get to the stuff when Justin gets here. No, because
0: I have a a perfect segue into that. So I'm going to save that. But uh, I'm going to set up the article even despite Justin not being here because he wrote it. So he should be familiar with it. He doesn't need a refresher course on this. But Justin starts off the article by reminding us uh, about how old we are all getting, explaining that AOC originally proposed the Green New Deal over four years ago. It seems like it was just yesterday. So uh, that, that was the first thing that was shocking to me. Justin explains how the original proposal was, and I'm quoting him here. One of the most socialistic legislative proposals ever conceived in Congress. It would, among other things, create massive new spending programs, eliminate, quote, pollution and greenhouse gas emissions as much as technologically feasible, transform all U.S. manufacturing and transportation, and upgrade all existing buildings in the United States. The Green New Deal would also make substantial changes to America's vast agricultural industry, create a jobs guarantee, and provide all people with government-managed health care, economic security, healthy food, and access to nature. Yeah, um, you know, we covered the Green New Deal a lot, and um, it's ambitious. <laughs> we'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll just call it ambitious. <laughs> so then uh, he explains how the new version of the Green New Deal is being resurrected and that this version is even worse than the original. But before we get into that, I want to go back down memory lane in regards to the original Green New Deal. This is a simpler time in America, a time pre-COVID, pre-massive inflation, a time when America's greatest fears were, you know, what is Donald Trump going to say next on Twitter, and how much bat soup do you think I could eat in one sitting? Some people, <laughs> come on, people, no, no laughs at all, Isaac. That one was that was tailored for you. I thought that I was, was a good one. So. But I'm
2: I'm home. It's Thursday. My dog is here, and it's trash day. So I've been on mute just in case um, she loses her mind. So gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. For it was hilarious. I for the for the folks listening and not watching, I could barely
0: breathe. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Uh, So, yes, back in those days, uh, some young and -and up-and-coming U.S. representative is trying to make a name for herself by proposing a seismic piece of legislation that would overhaul everything in America. Like I read in Justin's article, the proposal would include 100% clean energy, transforming manufacturing and transportation in the country, federal jobs guarantee program, universal health care programs, retrofitting all homes to be energy efficient. Just a straight up list, wish list of leftist goals. And on the panel today, we have two people that uh, represented the two sides of the spectrum when it came to the critical response of this plan. On one side, we had Justin Haskins, who was one of the first people to write about this plan, exposing its lunacy and all of the socialist underpinnings of its goals. And on the other side, we had Isaac Orr, who laughed off the proposal and suggested that it was better to just ignore it. So Isaac, considering Justin is still not here, uh, I want to start off with you. With the benefit of years of hindsight, what do you m- make of your strategy compared to Justin's in those early days of the Green New Deal? I mean, I was totally
2: right, because it hasn't gone anywhere. All Justin did was hyperventilate. So, oh, speak <laughs> of the devil. Here he is. Uh, so he didn't hear that because his earphones aren't in yet. But... um no, I mean, it was definitely a much bigger deal than I thought it was. I thought it was so ridiculous that it wasn't worth wasting our time talking about. And clearly that's not true, because I think one of the things that AOC and Senator Markey have been promoting is they've basically piecemealed the Green New Deal into legislation through Inflation Reduction Act and the so-called transportation bill. Right. So. um you know, they've, they've done a lot of the bad things that they wanted to do. They just weren't able to call it the green new deal. And I'm sure Justin can elaborate on that.
0: Yeah. So Justin, who is just now joining us, are you there? Can we hear you? Is your voice destroyed by the, the forest fires or whatever that are going on? You're sounding much better than you were
3: earlier,
2: by the way.
0: (laughs) Thank you.
3: (laughs) I'm always, I'm always looking to improve. Um, No, look, the uh, forest fires are fine. I'm not, I'm not anywhere near the forest fires. That's an East coast problem. I don't belong to the East Coast anymore, so it doesn't matter to me. I don't it's care.
0: East Coast? Okay. It's
3: also a Canadian problem. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Justin, to kind of catch you up to speed, we've already introduced your your article that was published on Fox News and I uh, was taking us down memory lane in the old days of uh-huh. the original Green New Deal being proposed. And, right. and the difference between you and Isaac, Isaac suggesting we just ignore this because it's cr- ludicrous. And uh, your track of basically covering it relentlessly um, and <laughs> wanted to see, you know, kind of what you thought after years of, of hindsight and kind of looking back and the whole 2020 vision of all of that and uh, yeah. whether or not you think your strategy was the good one looking backwards. Uh, yeah, of course it was the good one. I mean, how could how could anybody
3: deny that? I made like a whole career off of off of bashing AOC for about 6 months. So The grift has been I great. Mean, I mean,
2: I mean, like oh, how I mean
3: many, yeah. How can you deny it?
2: Um I, I can't deny it. Look like how many no. Twitter followers you have now.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's so I know that whole unfollow Twitter thing really didn't work out very well for you guys. But um no, <laughs> we,
2: that's why we dropped it.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Strategic retreat. Got it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so
3: Look, the thing—the thing about the Green New Deal is it was—it was such a stupid, it was such a stupid socialistic proposal that was wild, so wildly unrealistic. That you know, smart people in policy, like Isaac, um, and yes, that is a, a real compliment for Isaac. It, it just couldn't have taken it seriously because it was so dumb. There was no way to do any of the things that the green deal was promising to do. And then when you're when you're talking about saving the planet from impending doom and a climate catastrophe, but then also saying we got to forgive everybody's student loans, which was in the green new deal original version by the way, and that we need to have universal access to, you know, healthy foods and all the other crap that they jammed in there, it just you couldn't take it seriously. It just so obviously was not about saving the planet from climate change. And so I understand why people didn't initially take it seriously. The reason why it really does matter and still matters even now is not because the Green New Deal, as it was originally proposed, had any chance of passing. It was overwhelmingly rejected by Congress. It didn't get a single vote in favor of it in the U.S. Senate because people were so just embarrassed by it. But the reason why, including the person who sponsored it, by the way, did not, I believe, did not vote for it. But but ultimately, the reason why it still matters is because of what Isaac said, it filtered down into a bunch of other things. It was more of, of a of a uh, an ideological campaign than it was a, a real policy campaign. And that's why, and it still reverberates within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. If if the Democrat, if you lined up Uh, If if we were about to have another, like if Joe Biden dies tomorrow, not that that's possible, obviously, he's going to live forever. But Joe Biden were to die tomorrow and we had to have to pick a new Democratic Party presidential candidate and we had to have a new Democratic primary. All right. Like the Republicans are going through a primary. If we had to do that with Democrats again. And, we, and they lined up all, they all started flooding out of the woodworks, right? And, and it was time to line them all up and say, where do you stand on the Green New Deal? I bet almost all of them would say they're in favor of it. Sure. I bet like 95% of them would say, yep, I'm in favor of it. Why? Because because it's about what it represents and, and it's about how it's filtering into other policy. It's not really about the Green New Deal as a policy proposal itself. It's more about the the you know paying homage to the climate change gods like that's what this is all about and, and the green energy gods and making sure that you're on the right side of that bait and so it definitely matters because not because we were fighting it as a serious policy proposal the reason it matters is because we were waging an ideological fight and we're still in that ideological fight about about climate change and about socialism and about things like that. That was really what was going on. And it all just kind of occurred in this Green New Deal arena for a while. Mm. And now we've moved on to other arenas. But that's where it was happening.
0: I so, so, Chris, what do you, what do you, I, I forget kind of what even your position at Heartland was like four and a half years ago when this was being proposed. What do you
1: remember from that era? I remember when it was first proposed, a lot of people were mocking it. It's about cow flatulence and no more air travel and like all that kind of stuff. But, but Donnie, I have a slightly different take on, on the whole thing. I think it shows the difference between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats are just better at negotiating. They they shoot for the moon. They start with you know the highest possible figure. Unlike Republicans, like in the debt ceiling deal, Republicans start at a very low figure and actually work their way down from there. The, the <laughs> Democrats are great negotiators because they ask for the you know the whole enchilada, and then if they only get a little piece of it, it's like, well, hey, it's better than nothing. So I think it's a very dangerous uh, to res- to resurrect it. Because what they're doing is they're putting it back in the minds of the people, and I think a lot of Americans see this stuff and go, "Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, reparation sounds good. Yeah, universal housing sounds good. Yeah, universal healthcare sounds good." So the fact that it's even back into the conversation and being taken seriously to me is shows that and when it, when it comes to marketing uh, their policies, the Democrats are actually head and shoulders above the Republicans.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that is a that's a very good point. Justin and I had a conversation yesterday about the whole debt ceiling debate, and just well, I won't even get into that. Maybe if we have time at the end. But uh, when in regards to the Green New Deal and back when it was originally proposed, I remember having conversations uh, very similar to what points Justin was making. That the plan was never really intended to be a realistic suggestion. And then it was more about just trying to shift the Overton window hard in a leftward direction. Right. And I remember the, I think it was the American action forum. Is that the one that like the, yes. okay. The American action Forum. they did some serious damage to the green new deal with their study that suggested that the price tag of it was going to be in the vicinity of like $94 trillion or something like that. And that, that sticker shock really did some damage to any, any momentum that it had any, even if it was a little bit of momentum. And I also recall a lot of hesitancy from even some of the most staunchly democratic politicians uh, from supporting this plan. I think Nancy Pelosi even d- dismissed it very snarkily as like the green dream or something like that. And um, I, I think there was like a preliminary vote or something that was taken. I, I forget all the kind of the political lingo about all this stuff that there was some like vote that was taking and it literally got zero votes because even the representatives that supported the plan voted like not present. And they did it for, again, right. some political reason. It was that- a,
3: it was a non-binding reso- They, they, they provided it as a, or they introduced it as a non-binding legislative resolution So basically the idea is you express your support for it, but even if you pass it, it doesn't actually become law. So the stakes were not high at all. And even with the stakes being not high at all, they couldn't get any votes in the Senate. They had zero votes for it, including for the person who introduced it. So they got no support. And it was co-sponsored by like a million people, including the current vice president of the United States, uh, Kamala Harris, they were a, Elizabeth Warren co-sponsored it. Bernie Sanders co-sponsored it. They had all the big names co-sponsored it. But then when it came time to vote for it, they didn't vote for it. Right. right. Well, I'm
2: pretty sure McConnell brought that to the floor just to make them
3: either Correct. vote or not
2: right. vote for it. So, sure. like, because the Republicans were still in charge of the Senate at that point, so it was totally a big like middle finger to all of the Democrats in the Senate to be just basically like you guys, you guys talk a big game about this. You're going to actually vote for it because uh, McConnell knew that that was going to be poison for anybody who, you know, voted in favor of it. So it was actually, it was pretty clever.
0: Yeah. and, And so I think it's very reasonable to look at the track record of the green new deal and chalk it up to like a total bust, complete failure. But I think the argument could be made. And I think some of you have already made it that it did indeed the, the Overton window a little bit. So Isaac, kind of looking back at the legacy of the Green New Deal, at least the first version of it. Uh, how, how do you think? How do you think history is going to treat that? Uh,
2: well, I mean, I think they're going to obviously say it didn't happen, but they're going to say that they piecemealed it into different legislation, like we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So, like the. I guess the, the big thing about the Green New Deal is it just united people's focus on that issue in a way that maybe it was like a big deal before. But this kind of gave them that like big aspirational idea that everybody could rally around this kind of central flag. And, you know, that's been a big part of the way that the Democrats have governed since you know Biden took office in 2020. Right. Like you had the infrastructure bill. That was like a huge thing that they were looking to do. And then um, also, like, the Inflation Reduction Act, right? Like, that is chock full of, like, $1.6 billion in subsidies for wind, solar, transmission lines, battery storage. Uh, And then, you know, Manchin, uh, he says he designed it to have all of these, like, carve-outs for, like, oh, well, if you're going to have electric vehicles, like, you have to source the battery materials in the United States. And then the administration interpreted it that, like, commercial vehicles wouldn't need it so they can all the commercial like hyundai and all these other places can still get the subsidies as long as they're not like a personal dealer so like uh they've found ways to shoehorn it into or at least many of the major tenants of it into other legislation
0: right right yeah well like the title of the podcast promises the green new deal is back and perhaps worse than ever so justin what's the story here So, uh, the first big thing, uh, is that
3: they've reintroduced it there. So they, they brought it back in the house, um, and they reintroduced it in the Senate as well. Obviously Republicans control the house. So there's no chance of it actually becoming law. There's no chance of it even passing as a resolution. Um, and it probably won't even get some kind of committee hearing or something like that in the house, unless they decide to introduce it just purely, so that they could drag up all these old arguments against it um, because they think that it's actually worse for Democrats for, for us to be having this conversation. But I but I actually don't think they're even going to give it any time. Um, in the Senate, however, Democrats still have control of things, so it's not quite as clear what's going to happen. And of course, the, the sort of uh, uh, main person in the Senate right now um, is, uh, well, all of the key people in the, in the Senate uh, have in some way endorsed the Green New Deal or some version of it or some big transformation of the energy system or something like that at, at various times. So um, Kamala Harris, who's technically the president of the Senate is, or that that is technically the tie vote, the president of the Senate. She is um, uh, a co-sponsor of the green, of the original Green New Deal. So, who knows what's going to happen? Um, it's hard to say um, whether they're actually going to push this forward or if this is just some way for the far left to kind of uh, solidify support on in, in their corner, you know, from the socialist wing or whatever. Um, they're adding things to it, you know? So I guess the original version wasn't, wasn't good enough. They had to add even more things. Into it wasn't ambitious
0: enough.
3: <laughs> I, I know. So they interestingly, are introducing a separate thing that is that is technically... I, well, technically, it's not part of the Green New Deal, but they're calling it the Green New Deal. They're calling it the Green New Deal for health, uh, but they didn't include it in the original resolution, so they're hmm. separating the two things for reasons that I, I don't understand. Um, and in this, the whole idea behind this is to create a, a completely new... A uh, federal agency, because you know we don't have enough of those. It would be called the uh, Office of Climate Change and Health Equity, and the purpose of this would basically be to embed all these climate change initiatives and concerns over changing climate into the American healthcare system. Like that's the sole purpose of this thing. So. Um, there's all kinds of money that's going into these community health centers, and there's um, the, the the language says that the climate change and health equity office would oversee facilitating a robust federal response to the impact of climate change on the health of the American people and the healthcare system. It would also be uh, responsible for producing a slew of government reports on the quote, physical, mental, and behavioral health consequences of climate change. uh, And also to provide efforts within the government to reduce the carbon footprint of the entire healthcare industry, which, in case you didn't know, uses a whole lot of products related (laughs) to. Uh, things like oil, you know, like plastic and stuff is really important in the healthcare industry. Uh, they use lots of energy in the healthcare industry. The more expensive energy is in the healthcare industry means the more expensive healthcare coverages. Healthcare coverage is already historically very high. And so lots of reasons for why we wouldn't want to do this. Um, also just kind of on its face. It just doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense, <laughs> you know. There's that as well, um, and you can just imagine how this is going to be used in a in a million different ways. Wait, right? wait. You,
0: you got to get to this part here. The the best part is when the the bill that's being proposed about all of this uh, outlines the individuals disproportionately affected by oh, climate change, right. and yes. and. So, you know, all of this new slew of money that's going to be poured into this, you know, we have to make sure that it promotes equity, right? You already just mentioned that the the department is going to be called the climate change and health equity, right? Equity. Right. So we have to make sure that this is going to the people that need it most. And luckily for us, they define the people that are disproportionately affected by climate change. So explain the criteria there. Do you, ha- do you have it in front of you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Do you Re- want me to read? read,
3: read it? Yeah, read it off because I. So this is this is just it. straight
0: from your uh, this is straight from your article. It says in another section of Markey's and uh, Kana's bill, individuals disproportionately affected by climate change are defined by a laundry list of absurd social justice criteria, including Americans quote under five years old and over sixty five years old, being of reproductive age, a gender minority status household income, pre-existing health concerns, immigration status, race race and ethnicity, and experience of racial bias. And to qualify for the provision, an American must fall into two or more of these categories. So just like back of the envelope math, it's like, what is that like? Ninety percent of Americans.
3: Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Did you? Did you have? Did I put in uh, household income and disability and all that? Did you just read that off? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
0: nope. Oh, 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 we're losing them. Those technical, those technical difficulties. But yeah, don't I was, worry, so I can just fill uh, in with my I, Justin I, I, I would... There we go. Oh. <laughs> Well, well, that was a I good was... impression. That was a very good impression. But <laughs> are you still there? You're still there. We could hear you groaning. Was it nasally enough? <laughs> oh, he's, he's gone. So, yeah, if you didn't think that the original Green New Deal was progressive enough or uh, encouraged all these social justice causes. Well, now the Green New Deal with uh, the uh, addendum here that includes the Green New Deal for health. Uh, it's even more progressive and more aiming for social justice than ever so chris what do you think about this new development i mean the green new deal 2.0
1: i think the timing is actually fairly interesting because this comes on the heels of the squad uh, being really really disappointed in how joe biden uh handled the debt ceiling uh, increase uh i am not as, as a you know libertarian conservative i actually thought that the deal wasn't that great but the uh the squad thought that the deal was you know an abomination because it, uh, included, uh, some work, you know, work requirements and it also leveled off spending. So to me, this is just another way to get, you know, Joe Biden, uh, back into the, you know, big government, you know, like put, put the squad back front and center and kind of, you know, nudge, you know, the Biden administration to say, Hey, this is what you ran on. You said you would do this stuff. Remember in the, uh, the Sanders uh, Biden uh, unity or unity uh, recommendations, all this stuff was in there. So I think that there is a there's a little bit of a um, schism within the Democratic Party right now uh, where and I think, you know, politics always play a role and elections always play a role. And here we are now kind of on the cusp of 2024 and Biden's trying to pivot a little bit toward the center, a la Bill Clinton. But I think that the squad is saying, no, 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 we're not going to let you do that. And this is just another way to say, hey, you know, we are the backbone of the Democratic Party. We might be like, you know, the, the vocal minority, but we have a lot of pull. And I think that they're putting this back on the plate to kind of just put this back front and center so that it is being discussed by the mainstream media. And it also, I think... Works well for them that this is happening during this whole, you know, Canada wildfire thing because obviously we don't, we know that th- that has nothing to do with climate change. But I saw AOC, I saw Chuck Schumer, and I've seen a bunch of people on the usual suspects, CNN and MSNBC, saying that it's like the the the, the timing was portentous. And look, as soon as we put the Green New Deal 2.0 back up here, our you know skies are being ravaged by Canadian wildfires. So they're you know once again, so it's, it's their like, fault. No. but once again, as I said earlier, they're very good at marketing and they're very good at, you know, playing on people's emotions. So to them, this is, I think, they have two goals here. Once again, to kind of pull Biden back, you know, toward their big government direction that they think that he's abandoned, you know, with the uh, debt ceiling negotiation and all that other stuff. And also just because they think that, you know what, the American people... Are, you know going to uh, be in favor of this because in general they, they think that the American people uh, are dumb enough to buy their you know their climate change arguments and Donnie, just one other quick thing um, I think that th- they're also paving the, the way by introducing this now because if there is another big economic meltdown I think they'll say look, we've got this huge economic, you know, package teed up and ready to go and it has everything that, you know, the liberal wish list of the past, you know, century, everything from, you know, government uh healthcare to universal basic income to all this stuff that they have been wanting to pass for so long and it's, you know, it's a it's it's a double edged sword because it's like it's difficult for the t- for them to get that in one comprehensive package, which is why they've gone the piecemeal approach over the past 2 years. But I think they're also waiting for the day that we see another you know, 2008-type you know, economic crash where they say, the time has come where we need this. And that's why I think they're kind of trying to keep this on the back burner to keep this in the minds of the American public. Right,
0: right. Well, Isaac, I mean, wh- what do you think about all this, uh, the- this whole new addition to the Green New Deal, Green New Deal 2.0? I mean, are you going to follow the strategy that you wanted to test out last time around, or are you going to give this a little bit more attention this time around?
2: Uh, I think Chris is absolutely right when he's talking about why they're doing it now um, and the kind of their motivation behind it. So um, I don't know. I don't know anything about healthcare. I imagine that like, yeah, they're going to try and push for what single payer. Is that the new it girl Uh, Medicare for all for, for. And that was uh, the original green new deal too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Medicare for all. That was the big buzzword for a while. Uh, I honestly, what is the big buzzword on the left right now? Like what is their policy proposal? Cause like, Basically, ever since the Dobbs decision, all I've heard from them is that, right? Like, that's kind of
1: been their new, like, mantle. Oh, they, so, I'll tell you what their buzzword is. It's very simple. It's called extremist. Oh, sure. any Anything Republican-related is automatically extremist, whether you want school choice or, obviously, if you want, uh, you know— the fiscal sanity you're an extremist if you, you forgot if you to actually... throw
3: the maga in front of it Chris. <laughs> yeah,
1: exp- yeah you gotta it's <laughs> yeah. a maga extremist is how <laughs> it's
3: technically the term i think
0: <laughs> um so yeah justin uh, I'll give you final words on this but i want to get to yeah. another thing that was given by aoc that uh seems like a different approach to the green new deal but i'll, I'll give you final words on your article
3: yeah i i think i think the bottom line is um what the, the the left, the far left, the socialist wing of the party, I think is actually has been in, in, in trouble for a while now. Um, and what's really interesting is um, I, I think that them going back to the Green New Deal is maybe a sign that they're trying to drag up the things that initially gave them a lot of momentum and support to see if it will help kind of push them back into the limelight again and get them some more positive press and, and all of that. And it doesn't seem like it's worked so far. Most people haven't paid any attention. I probably have given them more media attention about the green new deal with one article than they've gotten from the entire probably. rest of the
0: press. Yeah. I mean,
3: did anybody even notice, you know, nobody even cared. I, it was I, basically just me. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was finding oh. articles to kind of fill out this, uh, this, my little, yeah. you know, uh, p- page notes or whatever show notes. And I looked up green new deal and yours is the only article that came yeah
3: i'm the only one that still cares i still care i still care <laughs> well, okay i but wish you... i wish they would send me you know let me in on the meetings like i'm the only one that actually gives a crap what you guys are doing over there
2: you've made more money off the green new deal than aoc has
3: well uh, I, don't I, don't I, don't
2: don't, yeah, I don't know about
3: that <laughs> oh let's yeah. not let's not get too crazy here <laughs> so, i've cashed in but not aoc type cash.
0: (laughs) So there was something else that popped up. It wasn't a news article, but there was something else that popped up when I looked up Green New Deal. And this was a thing that was released by uh, AOC's office. And it's a document that is titled uh, Delivering a Green New Deal. So in previous episodes, we talked about the passage of the Infrastructure Investment Mm. and Jobs Act and the very poorly named Inflation Reduction Act and how they had climate change policy stuff built into it and And it wasn't, you know, really didn't get talked about that much. Uh, But now we have it straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, Sorry, AOC. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, AOC released a long document titled Delivering a Green New Deal. It's 94 pages long. I think it's one page for every trillion of the original plan. And uh, the document outlines how, in detail, the Green New Deal can be carried out. So in the opening pages of the document, it reads the passage of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and Inflation Reduction Act provide an historic opportunity to deliver on the most significant climate and energy investments in our nation's history putting us on a path to take the climate to take on the climate crisis repair historic harms to low-income and disadvantaged communities and create good union jobs this guide lays out the goal of the Green New Deal and compiles the resources from the White House and federal agencies to give cities states tribes nonprofits and individuals the tools they need to take full advantage of these new programs and create on-the-ground progress towards the green Green New Deal. So the rest of the paper outlines 11 goals of the environmental aspects of the Green New Deal and how funds allocated by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and the Inflation Reduction Act could be used to fulfill those goals. So some of those goals include expanding renewable energy, building renewable energy efficient power grids, upgrading existing buildings for energy efficiency, building sustainable food systems, transforming transportation system, et cetera, et cetera. So each one of these lists the amount of funds made available through the pieces of legislation, usually in the tens of billions of dollars, and then lists the parties that are eligible to apply for these funds and what bureaucratic hurdles they have to leap through to get their hands on some of that freshly printed money. So all of this just seems so... I don't know. It's just like a complex web just uh, of government, just prone for waste and abuse to be exploited by the most politically connected people. And it all gets an enthusiastic green light because it has the justification of environment spray painted on the front of it. So, Isaac, I don't know. Am I being too cynical about this?
2: You can never be too cynical about this, Donnie. Like, this is ladling. This is exactly what Democrats are really good at. They're really good at using the gears of government to reward their friends and punish their enemies, right? Like, that's essentially all it is. It's incredibly transactional. So, like, when you look at who's getting all the tax credits, like, oh, those people just happen to donate to Democrats at a much higher level than uh, they do Republicans. So, like, once you see the world through that prism, like you're able to kind of just understand everything that's happened here, right? Like Joe Manchin got his, so he gets the Mountain Valley pipeline, he gets uh, carbon capture and sequestration stuff for, you know, coal facilities in West Virginia. Okay, cool. So as long as you're just kind of ladling the slop into everybody's bucket, except the Republicans, then, you know, they got what they wanted. And that's what we see in this, this document
0: yeah, I just look uh, I was just like scrolling through this, and it's like ninety four pages. It's like made to not be looked at essentially. but and it's just like, oh, goal number eight. So Andy's got this up on the screen, transforming transportation systems, total funding. billion dollars and if you scroll down it'll like outline the the jurisdictions or people or tribes that are like uh, you know have uh, uh that are eligible to eligible recipients of these funds and the different like departments and waivers and things you have to fill out to be able to get your hands on some of this money and i was like five pages scrolling into this before i just got like like this is government right here. Like this is your nasty web of bureaucracy and you have to make sure that you're going through these little processes and just going through all this different red tape or whatever to, for some bureaucrat to like sign off on dumping $60,000 into your lap so that you can create some stream in your backyard and put it under the infrastructure, uh, you know, investment act as some type of uh you know, new environment saving thing or whatever. It's just like, I just felt like dirty reading through this. But uh, I don't know, Chris, maybe you
1: have a different take on it. What do you think? Well, I'm going to go back to FDR's New Deal because obviously they're trying to harken back to FDR's New Deal. And FDR's New Deal came after the Great Depression, and it, it was the biggest expansion of government services and government programs in U.S. history. it Social Security and we had a whole bunch of other wealth redistribution programs that were created, you know, in the uh, New Deal era. And really, when you think, when you look at this, this is not about greening. This is not about cleaning up the country. This is not about, you know, solving our, you know, vaccine problems. Really, this is about wealth redistribution. And that's why it's all about equity. And I, you know, browsed through the document that you just had on screen, Donnie, and I saw a lot of things that said, this is is to advance equity for this group. This is to advance equity for that group. And really, that's what this is about. This is about government, you know, picking winners and losers and and doing a one almost a one hundred trillion dollar if they really had, you know, every single uh, p- part of this come to fruition, wealth redistribution. And it would it would transform America beyond anything you would even remotely recognize as of right now. And the green stuff is just one part of this, but I'm just going to keep harkening back to. They are all about Medicare for all. They're all about a UBI. They're all about payments for homelessness. There are so much stuff that have nothing to do at all with climate change. Absolutely nothing. And that's what this is really about. Yeah, this and- is about socialism. This is about wealth redistribution. This is about raising taxes on wealthy Americans and giving stuff to poor Americans. And also, like Isaac said, Uh, Benefiting, you know, the the Democrats' donor base. That's what it's about,
2: and that's the thing. It's not even poor Americans, right? Like this, this stuff is going to increase costs for poor Americans, right? Very true. Wind and solar increase the cost of electricity. That's just the way that it works. Like mandating the use of electric vehicles is going to increase the cost of transportation, right? So. This is wealth redistribution to white wealthy liberals is what it is. Right. It's trickled. It's trickle down environmentalism. And that's really what this is.
1: But I'm also so, harping. I'm, I am harping a little bit on the fact that they are talking about just giving money to to groups of people. And like Justin said in his um, uh, op-ed on Fox News, there's a whole bunch of stuff that was like, if you are a non-heterosexual you know, heterosexual white male, then you then then you're you know eligible for all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. A heterosexual white male between the ages of five and sixty-five. Oh, actually, you don't matter.
2: I totally get that. That that list was basically everyone gets money except the people on this podcast today. <laughs> right, um, right. So it's
0: like bleed I don't that know, demographic I'm, dry. <laughs> right, I'm of reproduction age, so I don't know. Yeah, but, but that's only that's the only one you count. Good point. Right,
2: good point. like you have to have two. I, two I identify
0: boxes. as over sixty-five. I think that should be good enough. Yeah, that'd be um, great. That way yeah, you can but get some it, social security. Um, it's just, it you know, it's just like anyone that wants to go out and defend like the Inflation Reduction Act. Like the, the idea that, that was the intent was to try to reduce inflation is just absurd. And like, right. you know, maybe before it could just be like us just being, like I said, like cynical about these things. But it's like now we've got a 94 page document from AOC's office that directly ties that Inflation Reduction Act Right to all of these green new deal things, so it's like it's not us saying it; it's them saying it. So, if you needed any other uh, evidence than than that, then I don't know what well, you're that also
1: demonstrates against. just how little they think of the American people, how how dumb they think they are. They think that we'll just look at a bill's title and say, "Oh, that sounds like <laughs> a that sounds good." I mean clearly give us us a little more credit than that.
2: No, they they believe the basket of deplorables theory, though. They literally think that. They think that like anyone who doesn't think like they are are just like unthinking, not even like subhuman animals, right? Like that's basically the way that I feel they perceive us, right? Yeah, so so so
0: so the powers that be, they, they seem to be all moving lockstep in this direction of more and more and more renewable energy and electric vehicles and all of this different stuff. And well, uh, all those things require a lot of rare earth materials. So we covered this concept in our previous episode. We talked about how this is going to make us more dependent on places like China who are desperately trying to corner the global market for rare earth materials through their Belt and Road initiative and everything like that. Well, you might say, uh, you know, we could just mine for some of those necessary materials right here in the good old USA, right? Right, Isaac? Can't we just mine in the United States for these materials? Wrong, Donnie. We can't have nice things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so this uh, this story comes from you. This is uh, I've, I've got a couple of links to this, but uh, it looks like they were trying to open up. I forget you know you can give me the details on it, but uh, a company was trying to open up a mine in Minnesota to to mine for nickel and copper. and uh, guess what? government said, you know what? Uh, no. So explain what happened here. Yeah, so uh, this mine
2: was previously owned by a company named Polymet. And that uh, Polymet merged with Tech American, which is like one of the largest uh, mining companies in Canada. So they have this new company called New Range, just to give background to anybody who's familiar with it. But this was going to be the first copper nickel mine in the state of Minnesota. And that's important because Minnesota is home to the Duluth complex, which is the world's largest undeveloped deposits of copper and nickel uh, anywhere, right? So uh, it has 95% of US nickel reserves, it has uh, more uh, cobalt than any other state, and it could be a major supplier of copper. And these are all the things that we are going to need, if we are going to do the incredibly stupid things that this administration is trying to force us to do through regulations, through subsidies, all of this kind of Green New Deal stuff. And uh, essentially, what happened was, Uh, there are different permits that the government needs to give out. And this one was a clean water permit that's issued by the Army Corps of Engineers. And this had been granted to this mine in 2019 under the Trump administration. And as soon as the Biden administration got in, their EPA was telling the Army Corps, we think you should reconsider this permit. And, you know, the companies were actually pretty confident that they were going to still get it. Uh, Because they thought that the rules were fair and this wasn't just a blatantly political process. uh, But surprise, uh, the rules aren't fair and it's a blatantly political process. So uh, this permit got revoked from the Army Corps. So that essentially kills this mine that's been under environmental review since like 2005. Right. So there's virtually zero way that you're going to get all of the metal and the materials that they want uh, produced within the United States on the timelines that they're saying that we have to be off of fossil fuels.
0: Yeah. One of the articles that I was reading for this uh, when I was doing my prep for it was like the first like 12 paragraphs of this article were just like, basically giving the impression that this is a great thing. This is a great environmental thing that we, this, this dirty company trying to open up this dirty mine was shut down by the government and how it's going to protect the downstream water sources of this tribe or something like that. And it wasn't until you got to like, like paragraph 13 of this where it started talking about, you know, like how this could have some type of effect on like the materials being that would extracted from that. So, Like, I mean, but that, that's kind of part and parcel of all this kind of narrative that we talk about all the time, where it's like, you only look at one side of the ledger. Like if, if a billion people, uh, are gonna, are gonna go cold in the winters or, uh, you know, too hot in the summers or whatever, because we can't get all the rare earth materials needed to produce all of these things that are supposed to be powering our modern economy. Um, you know, okay, we're not going to pay attention to that. We just got to make sure this, like this stream might not potentially be, you know, p- polluted or something like that. Like, is that just the thinking that goes on when these people see these permits and they're just like, ah, eh, no, <laughs> let's strike that. Is that Donnie, what's going on, Isaac?
1: I, I I think just real quick, Isaac, uh, I think that it's also because they don't believe in cost benefit analyses. And I think that the pandemic showed that they don't believe in cost benefit analyses. So. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that would that would require you to like have the critical thinking ability to extrapolate the potential negatives of a situation rather than just like hit the dopamine button of like if yeah. you don't if you don't wear the mask you're killing grandma and right. like of course. I don't think that uh you know there are some people who are still somehow uh liberals who support mining in Minnesota. Uh, Those people need to, you know, check their assumptions that, you know, their party actually gives a crap about the science because they don't like the science. It was never about the science. Right. Like whenever the left says that they care about the science is always just a blunt political like instrument used to like beat their opponents over the head in order to push for whatever crap that they wanted to push in the first
0: place. Right. right? Well, you know what? You know what? We'll, We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get all these materials that would have gotten, uh, you know, mined at a, probably a far more environmental, you know, protected way in Minnesota. We'll get them from a place that's even more respectful of the environment, and that's China, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah, the- or the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where yes. the Central
2: African Copper Belt is the largest source of cobalt and a huge source of copper, right? Like cobalt red that's a great book i haven't finished it yet because it's kind of a slog Uh, so i think i undermined the great book premise (laughs) yeah a little uh, bit yeah yeah Uh, not not to mention
1: the slave labor that's being used to mine these you know
2: well and that's it right you got a bunch of kids that are mining cobalt by hand and some of them are being forcibly transported from other areas of the congo to the central african copper belt right mm -hmm. and like You hear about kids are like required to dig tunnels and the tunnels collapse and like the kids are paralyzed from the waist down or they don't make it out at, at all right so their parents are understanding like oh because i couldn't provide for my kid they had to go work in the mine and because like there's just not enough economic opportunity over there for all the kids to go to school right so like they have to live with the guilt of knowing that like their child died because of that right So this is like terrible stuff that like we had in the United States in like the 1800s that they're still dealing with today. And it's because we're mandating things like electric vehicle batteries that take like a thousand
0: times more cobalt than our smartphones. It's just like amazing to me that some of these like really basic things like aren't even aren't thought about, you know, when they're proposing these giant hundred trillion dollar plans and all of that but like they're they're just like not even discussed like at all uh they're not figured out they're not discussed they're not they're not thought about at all and one of the like you know what we're just talking about here it's like all right you want to do all of this like where are you gonna get the rare earth materials like you're not allowing us to dig them up here you know like where were you gonna get them like that's just not even thought about and another thing and we covered this a little bit last week too and I have another article in the show notes that kind of talks about this but it's just like what do you do with all the waste? When these solar panels, you know, run out of, uh, of being efficient after, like, 10 years, or they completely die out after, like, 20 years, like, you can't just throw them in the garbage. They've got lead and cadmium and all this type of stuff that, like, you, you don't want it to just, like, break down and seep into the groundwater. There's the pollution there. So you can't just throw them in landfills. You have to do something with them. And nobody has figured out a, a, a solution to this. So, well, you can landfill them because landfills
2: have a lot of like liners and pollution control equipment these days, but go ahead. I'm sorry to step on your,
0: well, I'm going by like the left, you know, leftist, uh, you know, they're, well, here's the thing, their right? Way of like, thinking, right. It is correct because a lot of times we
2: ship the solar panels to third world countries. Okay, well, that's what I was going to say.
0: Yeah, well, let me let me let me say that right now because like, okay, then know, say it. <laughs> California, they have like all of this mounting waste that they don't know what to do with, right? Because they have higher stringent, you know, disposal recommendations when it comes to this. They literally don't know what to do with these giant piles of of solar panels that are useless to us now. And uh, I think there was a plan in like the UK that we talked about probably like a year ago where they wanted to like mandate that the cost of recycling these things are like built into the cost of, of purchasing the solar panels in the first place. But obviously leftists don't want that. Because that'll, you know, inflate the price of these solar panels in the first place. But then there's this article in, in, in Mother Jones, like I said, it's in the show notes, and it says, of course, reusing degraded but still functioning panels is a better option. Millions of these panels now end up in developing nations. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, great, because they'll dispose of them really well once they're completely useless. Like, it just seems like this is just like. You got to figure this stuff out, man. You have to figure out the basics before we can shovel a hundred trillion dollars into the engine of this plan. But, uh, Isaac, feel free to add on to that. Well,
2: that's how stuff ends up in the oceans, right? <laughs> right? Like, uh, John Stossel just had this really good video talking about how plastic recycling is a lie. And a lot of times, like it just gets put on a barge. It goes to Myanmar or th- other, you know, East Asian countries, Southeast Asian countries, And it either gets burned or it gets dumped in the ocean, right? Right. Like everyone who has this warm, fuzzy feeling about, oh, I recycled today. I saved the planet. And like, no, you just polluted the ocean because you weren't willing to put it in a landfill here because you weren't willing to just face the reality that, you know, putting something in the recycling doesn't mean you're doing anything at all to benefit the planet. And they're just people are so unwilling to critically reevaluate that. And that's exactly what we're seeing with wind and solar. But like the so I'm I'm thinking of I want to write a piece called like, are we wish cycling the electric grid? Right. Because people throw stuff in the recycling that isn't recyclable because we want to feel better about ourselves. Uh, But the thing with recycling is, sure, you're wasting hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars a year as a country, but you're not fundamentally undermining the viability of the electricity system. Mm. Whereas with wind and solar, that is exactly what we're doing. So we are basically sacrificing the most important asset that we have, which is the ability to you know generate and transmit and distribute electricity uh, for these like misguided beliefs. And we're effing around and
0: boy, howdy, are we going to find out? Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of amazing because I remember using this argument uh, against solar power for a long time now that like, you know, like the recycling aspect of it and how expensive it is. And then back of my head, whenever I would make those like criticisms, I would always think like, well, you know what, like give it a couple of years, they'll probably figure it out, you know, but like it's even gotten worse. Like now, the way that solar panels are made, like some of these materials are like built into the actual like glass of the solar panels. So you can't just like easily like extract like the silver or the lead or whatever you think is valuable, like from a recycling process, like it's built into it. So it's even harder now to recycle these things than it would have been like 10 years ago. So it's again, it's just kind of amazing that these things... These things are like these core foundational things just aren't even thought of. But I don't know, Chris, thoughts on any of the stuff that we've been talking about here in the last 10
1: minutes? I think they're thought of, but I think they just don't care. That's why I think it's just straight virtue signaling. I think that the Gavin Newsom's of the world and Chuck Schumer's and Nancy Pelosi and AOC, they are well aware that this is a scheme, that this is a scam and they are also well aware that if we were go if we were to rely more on nuclear power and if we were to rely more on our natural gas CO2 emissions because they're so obsessed with CO2 emissions would actually go down and they've right. actually been going down for a very long time and this is this is you know about like Isaac said before this is about enriching democratic donors and democratic you know friends of the party who are all in on the renewable energy scam of the century so it's just really, it you know, it just it it, it annoys me that the uh, American people aren't uh, curious enough to actually want to know, you know, the nuts and bolts of like how all this stuff works. But you know, we do live in an environment where they just don't seem to really care that much about this stuff, and they just you know drink the Kool Aid that's coming from the mainstream media. I mean, Donnie, this morning. Uh, CNN and MSNBC were going apoplectic once again about climate change and this, you know the 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 haze over the East Coast. And I think that you know this does seep into the minds of Americans and then they think to themselves, man, solar power and wind power, that's that's good for the earth. That's good. we should we should support that. But they don't understand that really it's very bad for the earth. and it, you know, like we said, the supply chain is, you know, Filled with, you know, human rights violations. And how about the fact that after they're, they're, you know, done, they're impossible to actually properly dispose of. So. Just yep. very frustrating. Yep. Like I mentioned on uh, the last podcast, uh, the
0: Green New Deal is uh, economically disastrous and environmentally toxic. Both of those things. So uh, anyone that, uh, you know, sees this in, in the headlines, the Green New Deal is coming back. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, I might be in support of that. Make sure you reiterate those two points. Slap them. Economically disastrous. Don't resort to violence. And And even more importantly for those people, that are susceptible to thinking that this is a good idea, environmentally toxic. So Isaac on two weeks in a row, I can't imagine that we're going to do environment and energy topics three times in a row. So you might not be joining us next week. Uh, any, any final thoughts for our audience before we start wrapping the show up
2: promoting nonviolence is very socialistic of you, Donald.
0: <laughs> what? Of course. Yeah. Not. You're not non-aggression, non-aggression principle. That is like a core libertarian concept. Sometimes people just need course correction, though. So,
2: you know, you got all this hands-off, laissez-faire. You just let people go around talking
0: about the Green New Deal. No wonder we're in the pickle we're in. I blame <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Yeah, right, because up there in uh, Minnesota, you're just slapping people left and right when you're walking down the street. No permits no. on these guns,
1: baby. <laughs> So basically we should apply the Antifa tactics is what they are telling
0: me. That's right. Might makes right. Oh okay. gosh. All right. All right. Well, thank everyone for joining us this week for the, this episode of in the tank podcast. Join us every week for a new episode for those audio only listeners that are catching us on a Friday or later. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time, where we are live streaming on Facebook and YouTube, Twitter and rumble. You can join the conversation throw your comments and suggestions in the chat or suggestions questions in the chat maybe we'll show your comments on the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly for those audio only listeners leave a review for us on itunes would be greatly appreciated for those viewers of ours make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already hit that like button share this content or just leave a comment underneath the video. All these things help break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. If you would like, you can follow us on Twitter at in the tank pod. If you have any comments or questions for the show or suggestions, feel free to email us at in the podcast at gmail.com. Isaac or where can the fine people find you at
2: AmericanExperiment.org and at the fracking guy. If you're still on socialist Twitter
0: it's not socialist anymore man it's 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 like heading shoulders better than what it used to be
1: old habits die hard man that's a good point chris talgo what do you have to pitch today Well, oh, i just hope everybody goes and visits heartland's website because it's a great website and we've got lots of good content up there fantastic heartland.org all right thank you all for joining us we will
0: talk to you next week
1: forget it Hello. donnie you're out of your element